Good morning, church. My name is Ginny, and I serve as our Family Life Director. Easter is coming, and we have an exciting event for you and your elementary age kids to learn about our Savior's resurrection in a fun, meaningful, and engaging way. Hunt for Easter will take place here on our West Chicago campus, Thursday, April 14th, and Friday, April 15th. As a family, you'll be following clues to search around the building to find items that will help your kids understand the events leading up to Good Friday and Easter. There are five time slots available between Thursday and Friday to choose from, and each hunt takes about 90 minutes. Cost is only $15 per family. Families must register ahead of time. For more information and to register, check out wheatonbible.org slash huntforeaster. Speaking of Easter, thank you for joining us throughout this Lent season leading up to Holy Week. And let me encourage you to continue reading two chapters a day from Scripture and praying for one family member, one friend, and one coworker. We're also continuing to gather on Wednesday nights in the East Worship Center from 7 to 8 p.m. for prayer. For more information about Lent activities and the days and times of Holy Week services, check out wheatonbible.org slash Easter. CareFest on Saturday, May 14th is not too far away. This is our annual day where we serve our surrounding communities and church family by showing the love of Christ through cleaning and painting, organizing, repairing, landscaping, and so much more. Some ideas have come in for projects, but we are in need of more. So go to wheatonbible.org slash carefest to suggest a project and to learn more about our annual carefest. Finally, if you're passionate about connecting your faith to the work that God has blessed you with, join our weekly two-hour faith and work class on Wednesdays here at church, starting on April 6th. Cost is only $20 and we meet at 7 p.m. A member of our pastoral team and other ministry leaders will lead an in-depth discussion of the reading and video materials that week. Check out wheatonbible.org slash faithandwork to register and for more information. That's it for today. Have a blessed Sunday. Well, good morning, church. This morning, we have a guest worship leader with us today. His name is Dante Ford. Dante is assistant professor of music and associate chaplain for worship arts at Wheaton College, and he's a gifted preacher and scholar. He first joined us a year ago, and we so enjoyed our time together that we invited him back today as we celebrate the beauty of diversity in the church. Uh, so he's going to bring some of his music and some of his heart to bless us today. Welcome, Dante. Thank you, Katie, for that wonderful introduction. Great God bless you to you, Wheaton Bible. I am excited to be here with you. I invite you now to stand as we begin to worship our Lord together in the beauty of holiness. And we'll kick off with a song that I introduced last time I was here, I Will Sing. I will sing, I will sing, I will sing, I will sing of his goodness and his kindness and his mercy. I will sing. Come on and join us this time. 
I will sing. I will sing. I will sing. I will sing of His goodness and His kindness and His mercy. I will sing. in the morning brand new mercies every dawning melody harmony I will sing
Jesus, 
something about but there's something but there's something about but there's something about that place. you may be seated As we prepare to go to our God in prayer, we know that if we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive. So let us now pray with hearts of confession. Kind Father, we come before you, thankful for this opportunity to gather in this space and in this place. We take it not for granted that we have the ability to be here, the activity of our limbs, the articulation of speech, and life flowing all through our bodies. Father, we come now repenting, confessing that we have not always done with these bodies what you have asked us to do. For things we have done that are, that fall short of your word, we are sorry and we confess. For things that we've said that do not reflect your gospel, your message of reconciliation, we confess and we are sorry. For those things we've not done that you've called us to do, that your word calls us to do, that the individual calls that you've placed in our lives demands of us, Father, we are sorry. We confess our sin and we do this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Redeemer. Father, we are thankful that your word promises that you will forgive. And so, Father, on this day, we give you thanks. All glory and honor belong to you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. As we respond to this confession, let us know, be encouraged that we are truly forgiven, all because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, oh, what a day. What a happy day. Oh, oh, what a day. What a happy day, oh, oh, what a day, what a happy day, oh, oh, what a day, what a happy day, oh, oh, what a day. Happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. When Jesus was. When Jesus was. When Jesus was. When Jesus was. When Jesus washed. He washed my sins away. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. He taught me how. Watch and pray, and live rejoicing every day. Oh yes, he did. 
down Every day Oh, happy day Oh, happy day Oh, happy day Oh, happy day When Jesus won When Jesus won When Jesus won when Jesus washed, he washed our sins away. Oh, happy day. Oh, 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 happy day. God bless you. You may be seated. As we prepare now to hear God's word preached by God's servant, I'm reminded of the various scriptures that call for us to admonish one another among other things, with hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs. So as we sing this spiritual song over you today, we invite you to reflect on the diversity of God's kingdom, the diversity of the body of Christ, and the fact that because God is the author of that diversity, we are dependent or interdependent on one another in as much as we are solely and wholly dependent on God to sustain us. I need you, you need me, we're all a part of God's body, stand with me, agree with me, we're all a part of God's body, it is his will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. You are important to me. I need you to survive. Sing it with me this time. I need you to survive. 
I won't harm you with words from my mouth. I love you. I need you to survive. I'll pray for you. You pray for me. I love you. I need you to survive. I won't harm you with words from my mouth. How beautiful is your kingdom. How beautiful is your church. God, I'm reminded that you did not create us to be alone, but God, you created us to be in community together. In a beautiful community that might not look like us and speak like us and think like us, but Lord, in a beautifully diverse community. And so, Father, as we seek to love those around us the way that you have loved us, as we seek to serve those around us the way that you have served us, God, would you give us the mind of Christ? Would you give us the hearts of humility and hospitality? Lord, we thank you that we have each other. We thank you that we are together. Father, that when one falls down, the other can pick him up. Lord, we are not alone. Forgive us, God, when we have not loved our neighbor as ourself. Lord, forgive us for not loving the way you have loved, for not serving the way you have served. But God, we do pray for your grace and your strength to continue to do this, Lord 
to continue to seek you as we serve our brothers and sisters. And Lord, my prayer from 1 Peter 4 is that we would above all love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Lord, I pray that we would offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And I pray that each of us would use whatever gifts we have received to serve others as faithful stewards of your grace in its various forms. Lord, give us the strength and the grace to do just that. Lord, as we hear your word this morning, as we look at what it, what it means to be a diverse church, God, would you speak to us? Would you reveal something about yourself that is new, Lord? Would you remind us something about yourself that we have known? And God, may we listen to you as we open your word. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, would you stand for the reading of God's word? From Acts 2, 5 through 21. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, said they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord." And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right, good morning, familia. Don't worry, it's me. I'm like Clark Kent. Personality change with glasses. I want to welcome you all, those of you that are part of our church already, and those of you that are visiting for the first time. What a blessing it is that you've chosen, uh, chosen this day to worship with us. I also want to welcome those of you worshiping with us online. As always, it's such a pleasure and joy when we come and worship our lords together. Amen? 
today, uh, for the last few weeks, we have been doing a series that we have called Gospel Culture, in which we're looking into 12 different biblical traits that help us with three things. Number one, it, gives us, uh, it helps us define what it means to be a biblical church. Number two, it gives us a blueprint of what it means uh, of the things that we need to believe and practice in order for us to experience a spiritual renewal. And number three, it gives us the tools necessary for us to remain faithful and fruitful in the midst of a changing society. Uh, so I want to start by refreshing your memory of some of the topics we have talked about during this series. So far, we have talked about 10 different biblical traits. We talked about the supremacy of the scripture, the centrality of the gospel, the power of prayer, the pleasure of worship, the pursuit of the common good, the significance of leadership, the practice of the means of grace, the, the discipline of generosity, the urgency of evangelism. And last week, Pastor Phil talked about the priority of community. Today, then, Part of the reason why we read Acts chapter 2, verses 5 to 21, is because we are going to be talking about biblical trait number 11, which is the beauty of diversity. Now, this topic of diversity is not new to us. If you have been part of the church for at least the last five years, you know that at least once a year we take the time to talk about this topic, and usually to talk about, uh, talk about it in terms of multi-ethnicity. Today, though, what I want to do is to talk about diversity from a wider perspective. We are going to talk about multi-ethnicity, but I want to approach the text showing you that diversity means much more than simply multi-ethnicity. It means multi-everything. Can you say multi-everything? So the three questions I'm asking the text this morning are this. Why diversity? Why beautiful? And why embrace it? I need you to do me a favor just because this is family. Look at the person next to you and just say to them, there is beauty in diversity. Go ahead. Let's talk about the first point. Why diversity? I want to add a question to that question. I want to say that part of the reason why we have to answer this question is because the Bible says that part of what it means to be a biblical church is to embrace diversity. So the question I'm adding to this question is, is diversity truly a, biblical, a definition of what a biblical church is? Now, the reason why I wanted to start with this is because every time I preach about this or talk about this, I get a really nice email or a really nice letter asking questions. Asking questions such as, are we becoming more liberal or more progressive? Asking questions if we are doing this because this is a popular concept in our culture and we're trying to catch up. Or are you preaching or talking about this, Hannibal, because you are a minority? See, part of the reason why I want us to answer the question, is this one of the evidences of a biblical church, is because the Bible makes it super clear that being diverse is one of the biblical definitions of what it means to be the church. Diversity is a biblical concept. We're not talking about this because we're trying to be like the culture. We have to talk about this because we want to influence the culture. And the Bible makes it super clear 
that right at the beginning of the New Testament church, diversity was part of the equation. That's why in Acts chapter 2, we, we see this so clear. We looked at, at a section of Acts chapter 2 when we talked about the means of grace. But today we must go back because we get a clear picture there of what the first century church looked like. And if you remember, and you're familiar with the text, it says in Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples. This is known as Pentecost. And all the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, it's important that we recognize that when the Bible talks about the disciples speaking in tongues here, it's different to what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 in regards to the, gifts, the gift of tongues. Two different topics. Same phrase, but two different topics. Here, the disciples are speaking, empowered by the Spirit, and they're speaking in a way that everyone understands in their own language. That will be one of the differences between 1 Corinthians 14 and this passage. The disciples are being empowered by the Spirit to proclaim, and everyone gets to understand in their own language. Now, I want you to see, though, what the church looked like right at the beginning in verses 5, 6, and 11. Look at what it says in verse 5, that in Jerusalem, there were God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard them in their own language as they, were, as they were speaking. And I want you to notice here that it says that the disciples were proclaiming and Jews that came from different places, Jews that were born in different places and spoke different languages, now are being united by the power of the Spirit, and they are displaying this beautiful, diverse community. But notice that that community was not restricted to only Jews. Because there were other people that had converted to Judaism before they converted to Christianity. Look at what it says in verse 11. Both Jews and converts to Judaism, we heard them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? I want you to pay attention to that because that's a description of the first century church. That's what the first church in the New Testament looked like. And it's important also to understand that the Christians at that time are living between three different worlds. The Jew world, the Roman world, and the Greek world. And it's important for us to understand how radical was what the Lord was doing here. Because at that time, in that culture, and in that setting, there were no interactions between these different cultures. All interactions were reduced to either business or labor. No social or friendship relationship existed between those groups whatsoever. All relationships in the first century church, in the first century uh, era, were superficial. No one in the first century church would dare to imagine a community in which people of different races and nations and languages and cultures and ethnicities would come together. That was just unheard of. It was actually unusual and strange. What they were witnessing so and so much that people thought 
that all these crazy people were drunk. Did you catch that in the text? This is the reason why Peter responds and says in verse 15, these people are not drunk. As you suppose, it is only 9 in the morning. But we know that if you're drunk, it doesn't matter what time it is, but that's his argument. It is only 9 o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And I want you to hold that thought there for a second. Because there's a couple of things that you got to see only in these two verses. Notice that Peter says that this new, weird, strange community is an evidence of the presence of God. It's an evidence of the presence of the Spirit. This new community, this weird and strange community, is what the presence of God in his Spirit creates. And this is what the prophet Joel had said would happen 400 years before Pentecost. Why mention the presence of God? Why mention the presence of the Spirit? And this is where I think I, I could get a little bit personal. Because if that is true, and the Bible says it is, then a community or a church that resists or rejects diversity is resisting or re rejecting the work of the Spirit. If God creates this kind of community, to do otherwise is to resist or to reject the work of the Spirit. See, this kind of community that the Bible talks about is not a community based on preferences. It is not a community that is built uh, only with the people that look like you or think like you or eat like you or smell like you. It's a community that comes from different backgrounds and look different. And that's what the Spirit does. The second thing that I want you to notice in those verses is what it means to be drunk. I find it super interesting that Luke, the writer of, this, the, of the book of Acts, uses the word drunk to describe what people think this new community looks like. See, Paul had already said something similar to that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, in which he says that we should not get drunk with wine, but we should be filled or drunk with the Spirit. What the Lord was doing in that community was so beautiful, so powerful, so amazing, that everyone outside the community are looking at these people and saying, they're drunk. Don't you find that interesting? Listen, if you know anything about being drunk, and I hope you don't, but if you do, you know that one of the, the traits of being drunk is that you are not afraid of public shame. Have you ever seen a drunk that cares about what people think? When you are under the influence of alcohol to such a degree that you really, really don't care about what people think of you. That's why drunk people do foolish things and embarrassing things and irresponsible things. But I want to show you that what the Spirit was doing here was so amazing, so beautiful, so powerful, that this joyful fearlessness of this new community made people think that they were drunk. No 
public shame whatsoever. You know, when you're in love with something, something, with something so and so much that you really don't care what people think. You guys remember the first time you fell in love with someone? How many dumb things you did? And you did not care what people thought of you? That's what happens when the Spirit moves and creates a community that looks like no other community. There's, there's a second thing that you've got to learn about what it means to be drunk. You know, if you have any uh, background in the medical field, uh, you know that the problem with drunkenness is that alcohol is a depressant. And you would say, well, that's not true. I've been drunk and I'm super happy. Yeah, that's not what I mean by depressant. What I mean by depressant from a medical background means that the alcohol has the ability to depress some parts of your brain. It blocks the way your brain functions. That's why you, even though you may be feeling happy, alcohol makes you do senseless things, thoughtless things, reckless things. A drunk person, yes, might be a happy person, but it's a happy dumb. Because in their head, they don't see their reality. Reality is hidden from them. A drunk person cannot see the way things truly are. Now, I want you to listen up, church. Because being drunk or filled with the Spirit is the complete opposite of that. It's to be able to see what God wants you to see. It's you being able to embrace the reality of what God creates. That's part of what it means to be filled in the Spirit, to embrace what the Lord creates. The community that we see in Acts chapter 2 is a new community in which we get to enjoy a multiracial, multinational, multilingual, multicultural, multiethnic community of God. No public shame whatsoever. It's this new community that not only is all of that, but it's also multigender, meaning male and female, multi-age, meaning young and old, a multi-social class. Nobody in the first century had ever seen that before. Where do I get that from? Look at what it says in verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit and all people. Can you say all people? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and you all men will dream dreams. Verse 18 even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Look at what Joel says is an evidence of the presence of the spirit. That all peoples will be transformed by the presence of God. Look at what the presence of God does. It brings people together that would never be together otherwise. Look at what the Spirit does. He brings males and females together before the Lord with the same importance and the same value. Look at what the Spirit does by bringing young and old people together before the Lord with the same importance and the same value. 
Look at what the Spirit does, bringing people of different backgrounds that belong to different social classes before the Lord with the same importance and the same value. That's what the Spirit does. That's the description of the first church in the New Testament. That's what the gospel does. Diversity is not a luxury. It's a blessing. Diversity is not a good idea. It's what the Spirit does. Look at how uh, John Stott in his commentary on this book says. Pentecost symbolized a new unity in the Spirit, transcending racial, national, and linguistic barriers. Nothing could have demonstrated more clearly the multiracial, multinational, multilingual nature of the kingdom of Christ. The phrase, all people, means not every, everybody, irrespective of their inward readiness to receive the Spirit, but everybody, irrespective of their outward status. Did I put that? There are still spiritual conditions for receiving the Spirit, but there are no social distinctions, whether of sex, your sons and your daughters, or of age, your young men and your old men, or of rank, even on my servants, both men and women. Let me say it again. Diversity is an evidence that God is present. Diversity at all levels is an evidence that God is working. Diversity is an evidence that the Spirit of God is doing something. As I'm writing this sermon, I find myself praying. Praying that the Lord gives us a church and we can truly love, honor, and receive one another. Regardless of how different you look. I find myself praying to the Lord that the Lord allows us to experience more and more what the church in the first century experienced. I find myself praying to the Lord that we don't become just colorblind people, but colorful people. A church that understands that in every ethnicity, that every ethnicity has its own splendor, and we best display the beauty of God together than separate. I found myself praying that the Lord continues to give us a church in which males and females are appreciated, respected, and honored. In which we see how, how males and females, we complement one another. And that we are partners in life and partners in ministry, even though we have different roles. I pray that the church values every stage in life. A church that understands that every season in life has its beauty. A church that loves, cares, and protects the young. But also a church that loves, cares, and learns from mature adults. I pray for a church that is not divided by social class or preferences or political views or traditions. All those things are secondary. I pray for a church that is drunk with the Spirit, only with the Spirit, and that we can see the beauty of what the Lord came to create. Question. Am I being an idealistic? No, I don't think so. You know what I want? What the Bible says we ought to be. I'm not going at 
not, I'm not adding to the Bible nor subtracting to the Bible. I just want us to be what the Bible says we ought to be. A multiracial, multinational, multilingual, multicultural, multiethnic, multigender, men and female, multi-age, young and old, and multi-social class, new community of God. Can we dream together about that? Can we ask the Spirit to do that in our, in our midst? Now, is that even possible? Of course it's possible when we see how beautiful this community looks like. Not just beautiful because of the way it looks, but beautiful because of what it signifies. And I want to give you three reasons on top of everything that I said why this kind of community is so beautiful, so amazing. Number one, I want to make the argument that part of why the church, a diverse church, is so beautiful is because it points to the beauty of a new era. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Notice the phrase, in the last days. That phrase is significant because it tells you that we are all part of the last days. That since the moment Jesus ascended to heaven, to the moment that Jesus comes back, since the moment that Jesus ascended to heaven and the Holy Spirit came, one era ended and another era begun. That we are all part of the last days. We are part of something new. We are part of something that has changed the history of the world. We are part of a season in which everything that community faith looks like uh, completely different to anything else before that. Listen up, church. That we are, that our unity in diversity is so beautiful that we don't have to believe in uniformity. That our unity, unity in diversity is not superficial, but supernatural. That we're not just a group of people hanging around together, you know? That we are more than that. That we are part of the movement of the Spirit. And if we are living in the last days, church, there's no time to waste. We cannot allow for anyone or anything to destroy what the Lord creates. Our unity in diversity is important. We are part of the new era. That's what makes it beautiful. Here's the second reason why this is so beautiful. Because our diversity um, is an example of the restoring presence of God. See, everyone would agree that what is happening here in Acts chapter 2 is the reversal of the curse that happened at the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. If you're familiar with the story, you probably remember that the people of God wanted to be like God, so they started to build this tower to make it to heaven and be like God. It's this human endeavor to become independent of God. And as a punishment, God sees that and creates confusion among the people by changing their languages and separating them. But what we see here in Acts chapter 2 is the beauty of the restoring presence of God. Look at what happens in Genesis chapter 11, verse 7. 
God says, come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from, uh, from, there, uh, from there over all the earth. And here in Acts chapter 2, we see completely the opposite. Is God bringing together what sin had divided? It is God working in a restoring, repairing, and rebuilding way. It is God fixing what humans have messed up. See, don't miss this. Our diversity is an evidence of the restoring power of God. See, modern culture says that Christians, the Christians are not inclusive. Modern culture says that they are inclusive. You know the problem with their argument? is that they are inclusive as long as you believe everything they believe. So, for example, they will say, well, you can be part of my group, but don't claim that you have the truth. See, you can be part of my group, but don't tell me that there's only one way to God. The irony of that is because they preach and talk about tolerance, but they are so intolerant. Christianity, on the other hand, is completely different. Listen up, church. It doesn't erase who the Lord made you to be. But it renews who you are. It doesn't take away from the Lord made you to be. But he gives you a new identity that doesn't erase the other one. So, for example, it brings males and females together. And if you are a Christian, what matters most is that you are a Christian. Now that you are a male or a female. And if that is true, then I have no permission to look at another person, female or male, as someone that is superior or inferior to me. Why? Because we share the same identity in Jesus Christ. But at the same time, it allows me to feel pride from a godly perspective in the way the Lord made me to be. Let me give you an example here with females. Remember how I mentioned those three different worlds in which Christians lived in the first century? For the Jewish people, being a female was just as bad as being a slave or a Gentile. So much for inclusivity. For the Greek world, being a female was someone that was good to do things at home. But there was no necessity of personal connection actually to be faithful to that woman. And that's why in the Greek culture, men will look for pleasure outside the home. How degrading is that? And in the Roman world, women were treated almost as slaves. And here we have the gospel of Jesus Christ. By the power of the Spirit, in which he comes and brings everyone together. Male and females with the same dignity and the same value. Can you see why diversity is an evidence of the restoring presence of God? I can apply that to ethnicity as well. I already mentioned that you don't lose who you are when you come to Jesus. See, we're not supposed to be as a church a melting pot. You don't stop being whatever the Lord made you to be. I don't stop being whatever the Lord made me to be. But it puts my identities in order. 
What matters most is not that I'm a Latino. What matters most is that I'm a Christian. And being a Latino is also important, but in second place. Therefore, I cannot allow my ethnicity to dictate who I have relationships with. That's why I believe that Christianity is the only true solution for genuine racial reconciliation because the presence of God is the restoring presence of God. We can also apply this to age, you know. We live in a culture in which, and I might offend somebody here, so bear with me, okay? We live in a culture in which the older you get, the less value you have. You know how I know that? Because that's why we live in a culture in which people are obsessed with a surgical knife. You know what I mean by that, right? And yet Christianity says that there's beauty in being young and there's beauty in being old. That there's beauty in being uh, someone with very few years of life and someone being with all the years in the world. And that we need one another and complement one another. And the third reason why there's beauty in diversity is because it's an evidence of the gospel. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 11. It says that both Jews and converts to Judaism heard them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Did you know that the phrase the wonders of God is reference to the gospel of Jesus Christ? If you pay attention to the context of the text, it tells you that the wonders of God is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It tells you that what brings people together is nothing less than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that the Holy Spirit uses the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the gospel at the end of the day, and I want you to memorize this, the gospel at the end of the day is all about union. Union with God and union with one another. Union with God that allows us to have union with people of different race, nationality, language, cultures, ethnicity, gender, and social class. That our union in Jesus, that the union of the gospel is completely different to any other union in the world. I've said this a few times in this church. I have more in common with an Anglo African-American, Asian, that looks nothing like me, but that they're Christian, than with some people in my own family. Do you know why? Because I share with them the same blood. But with you, I share the same father, the same brother, the same spirit, the same faith, the same love, and we have been purchased by the same blood. Why wouldn't I embrace someone that is different than me? If they had been purchased by the same blood I was purchased. That's why prejudice and classism and racism and anything with an ism at the end. I find so offensive to God. Is counter the Holy Spirit. Is counter gospel. So here's the last question. 
Why should we embrace this? Here, I, I think I gave you enough reasons why is it that we should embrace this. I think I already told you that part of the reason why we should embrace this is because it's the work of the Spirit. I think I already told you that part of the reason why we got to embrace this is because this is part of what it means to be part of the new era. What it means to be part of the people uh, that are experiencing the restoring uh, presence of God. I already told you that we, we should embrace this because this is an evidence of the power of the gospel. But I want to give you one more reason that we cannot ignore. That as a diverse community, we are contributing to the healing of this creation. To the healing and restoration of this creation. This is the reason why uh, Joel, in, the, in his prophecy, in Acts chapter 2, verse 20, says this. The sun will be turned uh, to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Notice that he's using the image of the second coming of Jesus. And remember I told you, being in the last days means that from Pentecost to the second coming of Jesus, this is where we live right now. But notice that Joel says that part of what we're doing with, as a diverse community is that we are people in mission. We are contributing to the healing of this creation. To, that we get to share the gospel and live in such a way that people must call the name of the Lord. Now, I don't know if you're doing Bible reading with us here, but last this week, I believe, yeah, this week, this last week, we read this in, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. God's intent was that now, through the church, can you say through the church? The manifold wisdom of God should be made known according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice that as a church, we are in mission. And we have a responsibility to show the manifold wisdom of God. Now, this is the beautiful thing about that text. I'm actually going to make it one of my favorite texts in the Bible from this point on. Did you know that the word manifold is the same word that the Bible used to describe colorful or many-colored? And he says that the church has the responsibility, the blessing, and the privilege to show the world the many-colored beauty of the splendor of God. This is why I know that we are better together than separate. It is only when we embrace the multi-nature of the kingdom of God that we can fully display it what it means to have a God the way we do. Let me finish with this quote by John Stott again. The church, as a multiracial, multicultural, multi-age community, is like a beautiful tapestry. Its members come from a wide range of colorful backgrounds. No other human community resembles it. Its diversity and harmony are unique. It is God's new society, and the many-colored fellowship of the church is a reflection of the many-colored or many-splendored wisdom of God. Do you see people that are different to you that way? 
Do you see people that are younger or older than you, male or female, from different social class, different backgrounds, different color, different race, different culture? Do you see them that way? It is only when we start seeing each other that way that we will fully display what the Spirit came to do. Amen? May the Lord grant us to be like that. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful that you, cre- you came to create something that is unique. Something that is beautiful and different. I am grateful, Lord, that the church of Jesus Christ is not a church that looks all the same. I am grateful, Lord, that we are a church, Lord, in which people of different backgrounds, different colors, different ethnicities, different cultures, different age, different social class, different status, different everything can come and worship you as one. Lord, please allow us to become the people that we ought to become. Lord, please allow us to experience the presence of God. And we pray for all this in the name of Jesus. And we all say. I invite you to stand as we respond to this magnificent message. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Love divine can.
cast out my feet. Holy presence, love divine, cast out my feet. to finish our service. Before uh, sending you into the world to display the manifold wisdom of God, I want to remind you that as a church, we love to pray for you. And if there are spiritual needs, if there are things that you need to pray for, please let us know. Just put it in the QR code, and I guarantee you that we're going to be praying for you on Tuesday around 9.30 in the morning. I want to encourage you to continue to pray for one, one family, one friend, and one co-worker. We are asking that the Lord does something in our midst, or that he would do something in our midst and bring people to salvation. And I also want to remind you that, we are, that, that Easter is right around the corner. You know, three weeks from now, or three Sundays from now, we're going to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we want that more and more people hear the gospel and experience the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's why I'm going uh, to commission you today. Is that okay? Is that okay? So uh, as, you, as you leave this place or around this area, you're going to find a car like this. On one end, you have the services and things that the church is going to do. And on the other, there's a place for you to write a little note. This is what I want you to do. Maybe the people I've been praying for, I want you to write an invitation. And once you write it, you could put it somewhere in the, in the atrium or put it, and we can mail this for you. Or you could take a bunch of these and then write an invitation and mail them out. Listen, we are not in the business of making this church bigger. That's God's problem. We are in the business of proclaiming the gospel and seeing the power of the gospel work in people's lives. Amen? Amen. Therefore, you want to invite people to this. Maybe take some. Maybe put them at work. Maybe go to the gym for the first time and put it over there. <laughs> Maybe take it to restaurants. Listen, what we care is that a lot of people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's receive the blessing that Jesus Christ guarantees for us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face through you, his face through you and give you peace. And we all say, thanks for coming. We love you. Have a blessed day. Church, you are sent.